advice for new photographers, and even some smarts for some of us old guys and gals, it's all in episode 66 of the Shutterbug Life podcast. Welcome to Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is a place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hey there, welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast, and we learn how to be better photographers here. I am Linford Morton. Of course, you can call me Lynn because all my friends call me Lynn. And in this episode, I've got advice for new photographers. Actually, what I'm doing is giving advice to my new photographer self. So I hear a lot of people talk about what advice would you give to yourself of 10 years ago or your 20-year-old self or or your your younger self based on what you've learned now. And I thought that might be interesting to do in a photography sense. If I bumped into myself when I was just learning photography, out practicing, uh, you know, during my first photography class, what would I tell him based on what I've learned in, in all the years since? Now, this is going to be helpful for you if you are new in photography, but I think there's a lot of stuff here that even for those of us who have been around for a minute, there's a lot of good stuff there that we might be able to take away as well. So that's what we're talking about today. Now, before we start, this episode is brought to you by Photo Tour New Orleans, the October 2016 version. And Photo Tour New Orleans is our weekend workshop where we see and photograph the best of the Big Easy. This is a really fun excursion where you get to photograph a wide range of things and learn a, you know, a lot and really take your photography up a notch. But an easy way to really get a, a good understanding of what we do is to take a look at our favorites video. So when we came back from our April trip, I asked all the attendees to share some of their favorite photos, you know, ones that they took. And I used them to create a video of the best of Photo Tour New Orleans. And you can see that at phototourneworleans.com forward slash best. B-E-S-T, phototourneworleans.com forward slash best, and see what kind of fun we had. So I dreamed I bumped into a younger version of myself. It was me from college. It was that guy taking his first photography class. I saw the younger me in the French Quarter walking around on a photo assignment, and so I noticed him, and I went by just to stop and say hello. I wanted to encourage him, because I knew the angst he was dealing with, and I knew that he was 
having all of the same anxieties and uncertainties that all new photographers have. And I wanted to encourage him and say, you know what? Stick with it. This photography thing works out for you. As a matter of fact, you'll end up teaching right here. And so I went over to talk with my younger self. And before I could say anything, he turns and asks me, based on what you know now, what helpful advice can you share with me? And I thought, okay, that's a great question. Here are a number of things that will help you that I know now that I wish I knew when I was in your situation. First, you already have everything you need to be a photographer. Now, I talked about this in episode 32 of my podcast. And I talk a lot about mindset-related things because I think it's so important for us creatives to get control of that. It's tempting to downplay yourself when you start out. So you make up distinctions. I'm a beginner photographer. Oh, I'm a new photographer. I'm an emerging photographer. And, and you come up with all these distinctions. You qualify. I'm just a newbie. I'm only a beginner. And you stick these words in there to qualify when they're not really necessary. So knock that off. Don't limit yourself in your mind or your speech, because when you limit yourself in your mind and your speech, you're going to limit your actions. If you tell yourself you're not a photographer, you're not a full photographer, you're not a real photographer yet, you'll pass up opportunities. Yes, you will. You will let them go by and you will shy away from challenges and you will act like a pretender because you've told yourself you are. So you are a photographer. Go ahead and own it. You, once you have decided that you want to be a photographer and you have a camera and you are taking pictures You've got everything you need to be a photographer, even if you're taking it on your cell phone. You have everything you need, and don't ever, ever limit yourself in thinking that you are less than anything but a photographer. That's the first thing I tell myself. Number two, I'd say challenge yourself more. I know it's fun to shoot the easy things, sunsets and flowers, or just the fun things, right? You're gonna, sp you're gonna want to spend. So much time shooting just the fun stuff, right? I, I, I know this about you. You're going to go and you're going to shoot only the fun things because they're fun. But you're not going to get better that way. And so what I'm going to tell you as a new photographer is every now and then you've got to challenge yourself. You've got to start thinking about, okay, what is it that I want to get better at? And what is it that I'm not so good at yet that if I worked on it just a little bit, I could get better? And and who, where are the kinds of photographs that really inspire me? And how can I get there to that level? And so you're going to have to challenge yourself. You're going to have to, you know, take some time and learn your tools. Learn your tools. Learn the camera inside out. Inspire yourself with the good stuff that, you know, people beyond your skill level are creating. And then you're going to have to challenge yourself to go out and, and to try and do that kind of work. 
And it's in the challenging that you will find yourself improving and getting better. So it's not just about going out and shooting the same thing and having fun, because quite honestly, you'll go, you'll get bored with that. So look for ways to challenge yourself so that you can improve. Next, look for the photo that only you can take. And this is how you begin to develop your own unique style. What's the photo that only you can take? Now, I heard Chase Jarvis talk about that this uh, this week during one of his Chase Jarvis live sessions. And he said, you know, sometimes it's as simple as, you know, it's the photo that only you can take because only you have access to that subject. He talked about, you know, he went to talk to somebody nobody else could could get to. And so that became the photo that only he could take. And now you begin to create the kinds of images that will separate you from everyone else on the planet, right? What's the photo that only you can take? And think about it, like, how do you see it differently in a way that only you might see it because of your background or your experience, right? Find the unique angle. I'm not talking about camera angles, but the unique way of looking at something that only you might see it because of based on the subject matter, because you have a unique and and one of the things I tell some of the, the people I photographers I mentor is, you know, overlay something else, a second passion with photography, something else that you have a passion for with photography. And because you have so much experience and so much love and passion for whatever that subject is, you will see it and photograph it differently from most people. So this is part of developing your own style. What's the photo only you can take in, in a way that only you might see it? Look for that kind of thing. It's not easy, but it's worth the effort and it's worth the work. I'm going to, I would tell myself and any new photographer to be comfortable taking bad pictures. And, and I know this is a tough one for us, right? It was a t- it's a tough one for me because, and I think Ira Glass in the Nobody Ever, Nobody Tells People Who Are Beginners. There's a, a video on this that I include that when you start out, your stuff is going to suck, quite honestly. You have these great ideas in your head of what it ought to look like. And when you take your photograph, it looks nothing like that. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But it's okay. Because when you, as you keep working at it, and as you permit yourself to take these bad pictures that fall short of your expectations, at some point, you begin to start closing the gap. You know, I remember I would see things in my head that when I took a photograph was just so far away from what I imagined. And as you learn your tools and as you get experience and as you learn to see, you know, how how your camera reacts differently from different decisions and how light works, you find it much easier to create the thing in your head with your camera. But you're going to take a lot of bad pictures along the way and it's okay. I know it's frustrating, but it's okay. Another piece of advice. Simplicity is the key to better photos. Simplicity is the key to better photos. And whenever you create, whether you are a photographer or a writer or a painter or a designer, 
simplicity is always going to be the key that will separate you from everyone else, right? From the other 90% of the people who, who you aspire to, you know, improve beyond, simplicity will take you there. And it's so easy to do. So simplicity means taking away and taking away until you're left with only what you need and not a thing more right? Simplicity. So if you have a photograph and you feel, ah, I don't know if I like this, I don't know what I would do with it. Ask yourself, how can I simplify this? What can I take away from this? And keep taking away and keep taking away and keep simplifying. And you'll find that if when you have the time to do that kind of work with an image, what you end up with will be so much stronger. Less is definitely more. Look for simplicity. Because if I'm explaining, I'm losing. You know, that's one of the things that they say during the the, the election um, cycle with all the politics. If you're explaining, you're losing. If I have to explain to you what you're looking at, you've already lost. So look for ways to really, really simplify. The next thing I would tell myself is to share bravely. There's going to be a part of you that says, eh, it's not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm going to keep this for myself. And you're going to lock away a whole lot of stuff on your computer. And there's an insecurity that you're feeding when you do that. And so I'm, I'm going to challenge you to share your stuff bravely. When you create something you like, share it. You know, you do your best work. And you share whatever your best is at the time. Uh, and the other one of the other creative live videos, Jared Leto says, you know, you your job is to create art. Let other people figure out if it's good or bad, right? But just keep creating good art, right? You are the artist, and you know, there's there's of course you're working on getting better in your craft and you are getting good feedback and we'll get to that in a second and you're improving but there's a part where you feed yourself where you go, you know what? It's time for me to share it, to ship it to the world and say, look what I made. I told when I I wrote about this several years ago and I told the story of my son who was 6 years old at the time. He's the one who does the intro for the podcast and he took this photograph of this these these grass leaves. I I have a picture of them there. And that was his favorite photo when he was 6 years old. Favorite photo. And I have no idea why but for him it was a mastery. And he would, you know, proclaim that his favorite photograph and he would, you know, I told the story of how one day he was at school. He 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 asked the teacher if he could give me a call. He called me in the middle of the day and said, "Will you bring that picture down here? I want to show my friends." I'm like, "Really?" But it's because the artist in him knew that he created it and knew that he was proud of it and wanted to share it bravely. And that innocence is a, some something we need to try and reclaim, because as as we get older and as we start shooting, we 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 start to you know let the the the, the insecurities and the and the voices in our heads talk us out of this kind of stuff. Share your work bravely. You are the artist. Okay. The next thing I would say is know where to go for feedback. So the photography community, especially online, the communities are overflowing with people who are doling out inaccurate information as fact. And I, I mean, plain out simply 
inaccurate information. I'm not saying they're saying Canon is better than Nikon or Nikon's better than Canon, things that, that we will debate until the end of time. I'm talking about inaccurate information. Here's an example. You know, I have this video that I posted to YouTube where I did a review of the camera, you know, the Nikon D500. And, you know, there's, there's a robust discussion happening in the comments underneath my video. And, you know, in, in some of the comment you know, people are going back and forth, having their own mini conversations, you know, in the comments. And in one of them, this guy starts giving another person advice. And he says something like, you know, this camera with the crop sensor is no different from a full-size sensor. They're both the same. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, they're not. They're, they're very clear differences between each and their differences between why you would buy one versus the, the other but we had people who s stating authoritatively something that was just not true and so here is someone doing that another photographer taking that advice and going off with it and using that as a foundation for decisions that he or she will make and so you got to know where to go for feedback because there are a lot of people out there who are well-meaning but uninformed. And so you've got to first find someone you know and trust for your feedback and advice. And I have an article on this, you know, how to receive and give photo critiques. And all these things I'm, I'm referencing are going to be linked in the show notes so you can see any one of them so you know find out you know one if they have the kind of background and the kind of photography you want to do you know to ask very specific questions um you know do you like this picture will get you a very different response than i want to submit this to be a getty photographer based on what you know about getty photographers will this get me in you get two very different responses there and you can guess which would be most helpful depending on what your goals are All right so you've got to think about that and then third you know thing i talk about is make sure you have a relationship with the person in some way just so that you understand where they're coming from when they give you feedback because some people will just give you feedback just to smack you down so they can feel better they'll stand in your head so they feel taller and it's also good to understand where the person's coming from so that you assure that the advice you're giving is given with your best interest in mind. Okay? Make sure that person has your best interest in mind so that you get the best advice for you. All right? And an easy thing to do, and I tell people all the time, you know, is an easy way to weed this out is just to be aware of anyone who gives advice with absolutes. There are so many trade-offs in photography that people give you absolutes are usually a little far, a little off, you know? Only shoot in aperture priority mode. Eh. No, there's no only. They're, they're, they're trade-offs. You know, this might be the best tool for this situation, and this might be the best tool for that situation. You got to understand. So if someone says, you know, only shoot in, you know, with you know, 18 to 200 lenses, you're going to be like, well, why? Ask why. If someone gives you an absolute, ask why. And, and make them defend their recommendations to you. Make them defend their recommendations. I've had this happen on my photography workshops. I, I kind of like it. Like I tell someone, you know, if you want to, you know, this is the best way to do such and such. And every now and then someone will push back and go, I don't, I don't know why. Why? Tell me why that is the case. 
and forced me to defend it, right? And I think that's just the coolest thing because, you know, I, well, here's why. And I can, you know, go into more detail. But you need to know why rather than just going off and saying, I'm only doing this because, you know, Chuck from ChuckPhoto.com said to do it. I made that up. Whoever Chuck Photo. I hope there's not really a Chuck Photo. All right. So nowhere to go for feedback and make people defend their absolutes. But the, 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 the three things about feedback is is, you know, know where they're coming from, know what their history and background is so that because we're all influenced by our background and then ask and get feedback on very specific questions and situations. And third, make sure that you have enough of a relationship that you know that this person is giving feedback with your best interest in, in mind and not just because, you know, they have another agenda. Next, nobody, nobody, not even your mother, wants to see all your photos from your last shoot. I'm going to say this again. Nobody, not even your mother, wants to see all your photos from your last shoot. And speaking of pushback, this is the one I get most pushback on, right? Because I said, you know, the 50 photos from the last shoot you want to upload, cut them down to five. You don't, first of all, you don't have 50 great photos in there. You do not, right? So pick the best five. And that's all anybody wants to see anyway, three to five at the most. Because you know what happens if you put all 50 up, we're going to look at the first four or five, and then we're going to start skimming and skimming and skimming and skimming. And, you know, and then we find another good one and skimming, but then we walk away going, boy, that was a 45 crappy photos and maybe two or three good ones in there. That's how you're being judged on the 45 crappy ones. Cut them out. Just cut them out and just go with the one, ideally two, three, five at the most that you, that you, that represent your best. And this is tough to do. This will be tough to do because you will be emotionally connected to some of the images and you will, you know, you've got to be dispassionate about this. My buddy Steve, who I interviewed two episodes ago, he really does this well. You know, we we will go out and shoot and he will show like one photo, maybe two. And I remember about, you know, eight or years or so ago when we first started shooting and he, and he, I noticed he'd put up these one or two, but I, I, it didn't click what was going on, but there were always these really great images. So I thought, man, Steve, you've never taken a bad image, have you? And he just sort of chuckled and said, well, you didn't see the other 200. And it dawned on me. That's right. He shot 200 images and he only showed two. And because he only showed the best two, I, my takeaway was this guy can't take a bad photograph. Only show your best. And it's the easiest way to be seen as a dramatically better photographer. I tell my, on on my workshops, I tell folks that you can be seen as a dramatically better photographer tomorrow if you start doing this tomorrow. Nobody wants to see 50. Cut them down to just the best and only the best. The next piece of advice I'd have. You don't need permission to create something impactful with your photography. This is ep- this is from episode 29. I talk about this in great detail. 
And the premise is this. Back in the old days, you needed an editor or a curator to have your images seen, right? If you decided I want to be seen somewhere, you had to go out and, you know, put together images and take them to somebody. And this person got to look down and she got to say, you're not ready. Go come back again later. Or you wanted to be published somewhere and you had to take them somewhere and they'd get to look at it and go, I don't like this. You know, do it my way and I'll publish it. But not anymore because today creatives have so many tools and the, 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 the barriers to entry are just about gone. And so the good news is you can pick yourself. If you want to be a storyteller, you go out and tell your stories and publish them. And if you want to be known as a great street photographer, take great street photographs and publish them. That's it. You don't need permission to create something. And when you have enough really great stuff, you can create your own book and you can sell your own book. If people, you know, in your community now are following you and supporting your work, you have something now you can push out and you don't need anybody else's permission. That's the beautiful thing. You don't need any permission to create something impactful. And a lot of us who are especially from that old era sit back subconsciously waiting for permission right? But you don't need it. So just go out. And if you have this great idea of something you want to do, sit, stop and think, how can I make this happen? Because chances are you have all the tools you need. The other thing I would tell myself, the other piece of advice is your work always has value. Now, I know you might be tempted to give your work away for free because you're a new photographer, right? You got to resist that urge. Because the worth of your image has nothing to do with the length of time you've been shooting. Let me explain what I mean. Let's say you take a a great photograph and CNN uses it on their website to illustrate a story. And because the photograph is so great, when they put it on their front page, 2 million people right away click through to the story because of the photograph. Now, CNN is going to be selling advertising based on that click-through rate, right? They're not selling it based on the length of time you've been a photographer. It won't matter if that photograph performs how long you've been shooting. The value to them is based on the number of people that photograph draws into their site. That's their value. It has nothing to do with how long you've been shooting. And, And boy, so many... New photographers will just give it away because they think, well, I'm new and, you know, you know, I'm just starting out, so I really should. And, and the CNNs of the world will prey on that. They will say, you know, you know, you'll get exposure. But wait a minute. It's not about exposure. You're not operating a business CNN for exposure. You're operating a business to make money. And if my photo helps you make money, what else do we need to talk about? Right. If you are at a wedding and you take the one and only great photograph where you capture the moment the bride and her mother are crying together in one tender moment, a moment they're going to want to remember for the rest of their lives, does it really matter how long you've been shooting? No. 
The value to them is going to be in that moment you captured. And it's going to be in how well you capture that moment. Right? The value of the image has nothing to do with how long you've been shooting. So if someone wants your photograph, at that point, they have already identified that they see value in it. Think about it that way. If someone calls you and wants to use your photograph, it's because they see some value in it. There's already value in it. Now, how much value? Well, the market will determine that, right? And so the market will do its thing, right? So, you know, there's supply and demand. There are all these other things. There's exclusivity. There is, you know, there are all these other things that will impact value. But But those things have nothing to do with how long you've been shooting. You know, if you have a photograph of something going on and 100 other photographers have practically practically the same image, then no, you can't extract too much from it. And it has nothing nothing to do with how long you've been shooting. It's just the market. But, But if you have the only one of it, right? If you have the only one of the plane crash that just went down and everyone wants it, then it has value and the market will help you determine that value. But the value has nothing to do with the length of time you've been shooting. So the message there is know the value and be comfortable asking for it. Listen to episode 17, Should I Ever Shoot for Free? The next lesson, upgrade your camera only when you bump into the limitations of your current one. You don't need a new camera just because Nikon released one. You don't need a new camera because Sony invented a whole lot of new features. You don't need a new camera just because everybody else in your group is getting one. You only need a new camera when you bump into the limitations of the camera you're using. And if you use that as your guide, you won't waste a lot of money just chasing features that you'll never use. So my upgrade path, I was thinking about this. When I first sold all my films, my film cameras a little more than 10 years ago and decided to go all in digital, I bought what's called a Nikon D50, which was one of their entry-level cameras back then. You know, I was thinking, you oh, know, this digital thing looks interesting. I, you know, I'll, I'll get into it. I'll, I'll get a, a DSLR. And I bought the D50, and I probably didn't keep it for more than a month because I, re- I learned very quickly that this thing was so much, was limited for what I wanted to do. And one of the big things I remember bumping into was I decided I, I, you know, I had two speed lights and I was shooting, you know, kind of studio-ish kinds of work. And I wanted to be able to sync them wirelessly with my camera and learn pretty quickly that the D50 didn't do that. So I sold it and I bought the D200 because I bumped into the limitations of what my D50 would do then it was time to upgrade. And it was only a month, but it was time because what I wanted to create, I couldn't create on that camera, okay? So I cut the D200 for a very long time and then finally upgraded it because it was, you know, not really performing in low light the way I wanted to. I went out and got a D700. Wow, you know, full frame. It gave me, you know, a lot better range of, of, you know, depth of field and all kinds of, you know, the the kind of creative performance that I was looking for. And I loved that camera. And then pretty soon I figured out, I ran into the, the other limitation. 
it didn't shoot video. I'd show up to shoot places and clients would say, can you shoot video? And I couldn't. And everybody on the other side who was, you know, who was shooting with the Canon 5D Mark II, were, they were raving about the great video. And I thought, this sucks. And so I knew it was time to upgrade. Right? So here is the thing. When you bump into the limitations of your camera, then and only then should you start thinking about what what can I buy next? And if you if you look at the listen to episode eleven, why you need a new camera, I really sort of lay out my 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 the way I think about this. You're going to either improve the quality of the, your image or your quality of life. One of those two things ought to be overriding, and I, I really get into you know how you can tell that in episode eleven of why you need a new camera. It's got to improve the quality of the image or your quality of life, meaning the quality of the image too grainy when I was in my D200. The quality of life, I needed video um, to really to really um, broaden the kind of photography I really wanted to do and the storytelling I wanted to do. So upgrade your camera when you bump into the limitations of your current one so that you don't end up wasting a lot of money just chasing features. And 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 worrying about you know this how many megapixels and all this other nonsense the camera manufacturers will use to sell you if the megapixels you have are giving you everything you need then there's no reason to upgrade to 50 megapixels if 24 will do. All right, very good. Now the last one is get over your watermark already. I remember going out and, you know, designing these watermarks that I'd put on my photographs, you know, big L's, little L's, Linford Morton, the whole name, you know, all this kind of stuff. And at some point, you know, yeah, there are lots of reasons people do this. They say, hey, you know, I want, I don't want people to steal my images. And, you know, if someone wants to steal your image, a watermark will not even slow them down. It will be gone like poof in a second. And the other one is I want to brand. Well, you know how the best way to brand your images is to shoot in a consistent style that makes it stand out as yours. So that no matter where people see it, they know it's yours, whether or not they see your name. I know a lot of photographers in our community. And, you know, when they post an image, even if I don't know it's theirs, I know it's theirs. When I first look at it, I go, ah, that must be Victoria's image. And I look up, there it is. And I don't need a watermark to see it. You just need a consistent style. And then, you know, one of the things I I, want to point out is that when you think of all the great images, like you you could look through volumes of the National Geographic and you won't see one watermark. Yeah. And this is, you know, the best of the best. You can think about your the, the best photographers in the world, and most of them don't have watermarks. There's no Ansel Adams watermark that I can remember or Cartier-Bresson watermark that I can remember, but we know their work when we see it, right? So the watermark for me is a distraction. It's the equivalent of buying a mansion and putting a pink flamingo, no matter how small or discreet, on the front lawn. Because no matter how small or discreet that pink flamingo is, we're always going to look at the big mansion and look over and go, look, it's a pink flamingo. And if it doesn't add to, this is back to the simplicity, if it doesn't add to or enhance, then it's a detraction from. And so get over the watermark. They serve no real purpose other than our egos. All right, so 
that's my advice to the young me or to a new photographer starting out. That's my that's my advice. But what about you? Is one is that helpful for you if you are a new photographer? And if you are also, what other advice have you received that was helpful for you? Or if you're an experienced photographer, what's the best piece of advice you've had or given that might be helpful to others or the rest of us? Share them in the comments. Just go to shadowbuglife.com forward slash podcast and search for 066, bring up, bring up this episode and share them in the comments. Or if you see it on social media, share in the comments there too, if you see it on a post in Facebook or something like that. All right. All right. So that's it. That is the advice I would give to myself as a new photographer and the advice I still give to all new photographers and some of us experienced photographers alike. If your pictures aren't turning out the way you want, an easy solution might be just around the corner. Now, I taught thousands of photographers doing my popular photo tours around Washington, D.C., New Orleans, and New York City. And doing more than 600 workshops, I noticed there were 12 mistakes most photographers were making with their images. Now, if you want to know what they are and how you might measure up, you can check this Dirty Dozen list and see what's keeping you from taking your best pictures, creating your meaningful art, and making your ultimate impact. Go to 12photomistakes.com. There I have a free ebook and a free audiobook for those of us who prefer listening rather than reading. And you can download both and listen to them or read the 12 mistakes and see where you might be measuring up. That's 12photomistakes.com to see how you are doing and how you're measuring up against 12 of the most common mistakes photographers make. Go get it now. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Shutterbug Life podcast. If you like what we do, share it with a friend. You can send them to shutterbuglife.com slash podcast. And you can find this episode by searching for 066. This is episode 66 of the podcast. Or in the search bar, you can search for just about anything. Um, advice for new photographers. It's the search, the search function is pretty accurate. So as you start typing things in, you'll see that all the options start popping up right there. So that's a great way to, um, find this episode and find a lot of the links we talked about and share them with a friend. You can subscribe, and the way you do that is by going to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe, and you share your name and email address. Every time there's a new one of these, you'll get a, a, an email reminder. So, And then all the other um, helpful information I share, like, for instance, I'm going to be doing a video review of uh, another mirrorless camera um, pretty soon within the next week, and you'll get uh, you'll get notification of that. Um, also, you can uh, follow and subscribe if you listen to 
iTunes by go to itunes.shutterbuglife.com. Or if you listen to any other, um, if you listen to your any other podcast player, you can probably find us there. I know we're on Stitcher as well. Okay, so that's it. If you you want to, you know, sort of join in the, with the community, um, an easy way is to go to our Facebook group. Just go to fb.shutterbuglife.com. It will take you to the Shutterbug Excursions Facebook group where we are sharing um, in between episodes and in between our meetups. Because if you're in Washington, D.C. or New York City, you can join in on any of our meetups we get out and shoot and share together a lot of them are lots of them are fun and lots of them are free and i would encourage you if you are nearby just to come on by and check us out because we have lots of fun there all right that's it for now thank you so much again for being a part of the community thank you for being a part of the shutterbug life and for everything we do to learn how to be better photographers wherever you go whatever you do enjoy your shutterbug life Take care.